Time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Ben Franklin. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel from Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofit. I'm Andrea Smith. I'm Caitlin Darrow, and today's show is all about financial literacy, which is something that I very deeply wish that I learned about when I was in middle school, in high school. I'll be kicking off the show with my own financial journey and also sharing some first-time credit card tips. But before I get ahead of myself, I would like to share more about our current programming during the pandemic. As part of our Disaster Relief Outreach Program, Be The Star You Are showcases authors, artists, actors, musicians, and other creatives who've had their performances canceled by COVID-19. Make sure you're tuned in to Star Style Be The Star You Are on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. PST for Wednesdays with writers and performers. And Express Yourself airing on Sundays at 3 p.m. for Super Smart Sundays both broadcasting right here on Voice America Network's Empowerment Channel. Thank you to California Humanities and NEH for helping Cynthia Bryan continue to produce quality programming during this time. Today, we have a great hour planned for you. In segment two, we will be interviewing Whitman Ochai, and producer of Money Ed podcast series. He makes the confusing world of finance just a bit clearer for young people. But before we speak with Whitman, our very own Caitlin Darrow will be getting the show started. Take it away, Caitlin. Thank you so much, Andrea. I would love to start off today's show by talking a bit about my own financial journey, especially when I was turning 18, going to college, and in charge of my own finances for the very first time. Obviously, up until I was 18, I lived at home with my mom, who took care of most of my financial needs. I did hold part-time jobs throughout high school, mostly just babysitting and small side hustles. But I was always a big saver, and any money that I made, I just put directly into a savings account. And then eventually, I was able to utilize that when I moved to California and started university. So I'm very happy that I got that started when I was in high school. 
And again, just having that padding to get me through those first couple months of school and helping with school supplies and buying books as I searched and applied for an on-campus job, it was really beneficial to have that padding. Shortly after I moved to California, I realized that I needed something called credit in order to buy a car or move into an off-campus apartment. Um, all of those very big adult decisions. And if you're in middle school or high school, this might not apply to you just yet, but I want to share my experience because I wish I had formally been taught financial literacy in school. I oftentimes wish that there had been a class or a course where I was able to learn these things. But unfortunately, when I was growing up, I just wasn't quite educated on the topic. And Eventually, when I made that transition to be financially independent, I feel like the learning curve was very steep. So I think it's very beneficial to start learning about these topics now, even if it does seem a tad bit early. Going back to my personal story, I really didn't know what credit was, but now I know that it's just a very broad term that can have many different meanings in the financial world. But to put it simply, I would describe credit as a contracted agreement in which a borrower, um, probably yourself, receives something of value and then agrees to pay the lender at a later date, um, generally with interest added. So in the case of credit cards, the bank is lending you a certain amount of money, but you must eventually pay it back. I applied for my first credit card at Bank of America, and I was approved for $600. So at the time, I was really excited because sometimes being approved for a credit card when it's your very, very first credit card can be difficult. And I remember being denied at first for a few different ones. So this meant that I could spend up to $600 on that credit card, even if I didn't necessarily have that money in my own uh, checking account. So the money was coming from the bank. Um, but this is where it gets tricky because people start using credit cards to pay for things. And when it comes time to make a payment, they're a bit stressed about the debt that they've racked up. Uh, one thing that I wish I knew in hindsight was that just because I had access to $600 didn't necessarily mean that I needed to spend it. I wish that I had initially just kept a low balance in the beginning because I hit the $600 uh, limit very quickly, and then I just began making minimum payments of about $20 a month. But at that rate, it would have taken me 30 months or two and a half years to pay that back. In the meantime, it would have been charged credit, or I would have been charged them interest, meaning that I was paying extra fees because I had maxed out the credit card. Nowadays, whenever I use my credit card, I make the payment and I pay it off immediately. So even though I have a much higher, um, I have a much higher ability to spend more money on it, I've been provided more funds on the credit card. I do not really use it. And I think that while a credit card can show lenders that you're capable of being responsible, unfortunately, there's a lot of young people who go into credit card debt simply because they don't understand the ramifications of borrowing that money, um, such as myself. I think that the $600 that I'd spent things on, I just didn't quite, it didn't, <laughs> it really didn't quite compute that that money wasn't mine. It was really the bank's. Um, another topic that is important amongst young people are student loans. Unfortunately for most of us, paying outright for college is simply not an option. 
But without student loans, higher education would not be possible for the majority of young people. So I'm very grateful that we do have access to that. However, it is extremely important to familiarize yourself with how much you're taking out in student loans, if it's a private or public loan, how much interest you might have to pay one day, et cetera. Because again, um, these were things that I wasn't fully educated on when I was first starting college at 18. So whether it's credit cards or student loans, I think that these can be extremely beneficial resources, but they can also destroy someone financially, especially if that someone is very young and perhaps uneducated. It's very easy to be preyed upon by these credit card or loan companies. So personally, I would just recommend sitting down with the parents, an older sibling, a mentor, et cetera before making these big financial decisions on your own, because older people typically have a bit more experience in this realm, and they may be able to shed light for someone taking out their very first credit card or student loan. Thank you so much, Caitlin. That was so informative, especially for me. I have I'm honestly don't really know anything about financial literacy, so that was really interesting to hear your story. Uh, so for somebody like me that doesn't really know much about credit cards, what's the difference between a credit card and a debit card? Okay, so that's a great question and is really good for laying the foundation. Um, so for a credit card, I'd say the biggest difference is that that allows you to borrow money from a credit card company or a bank with the agreement that you will pay interest, um, which is basically just like a little uh, extra percentage or fee um, on any outstanding debt at the end of each billing cycle. So let's just say you have, um, you spend $20 and you don't pay it off right away. So it goes into the next billing cycle. Um, you have to pay a percentage of interest on that. Um, so if you do pay off your credit card um, right away, then you can avoid paying those extra fees or interest to the bank. Um, but yeah, for me, the way that I describe it is also just credit cards. That's not necessarily your money. So it's really good for emergencies or things like that. Um, but just to spend like willy nilly, it's not the smartest thing. Um, and then a debit card, it pulls money directly from your bank account. So you already have that money in your account, you know, fair and square. And it's with the debit card, it's coming out directly. Um, another big difference is that credit cards help you build credit history when you do use it responsibly, um, and debit cards don't really do that. So credit does come in handy if you need to get a big loan, like if you need a car loan or house um, loan. Again, this is much, much further down the line when we're all a little bit older, but credit does come in handy in those cases. Or even if you're just being approved for an apartment, they'll usually look at your credit score and so when they see that you have a high credit score, that you've paid off your credit card on time every month and you've made, you know, sufficient payments, <laughs> then they'll look at that and they'll be like, oh, okay, like she's responsible, she makes her payments, et cetera. Um, that's kind of the idea of it. <laughs> but I also know tons of really responsible people who they just don't have a credit card and therefore they don't have credit. Um so I think, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a weird system. Um, I think it's a little strange how we kind of have to get a credit card 
um, to show banks that we're like responsible. I wish that they would just look at our bank account or, you know, maybe a different, <laughs> different yeah. method, but yeah, that's kind of the way that they do it. I hope that that makes sense. Yeah, that does. So do you recommend one over the other, like credit or debit? Yeah, I think that um, especially once you're turning 18 and going off to college, um, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, having both a debit card and a credit card. But if you have a credit card, just remind yourself that when you use it, you have to pay the money back um, immediately. It's not really your money. It's money that you're borrowing. And um, if you have a debit card, again, that'll be linked to a bank account. So if you don't have um, a bank account. Again, I didn't really have a bank account until I was, yeah, like 18. I think before that, I just kind of had like cash and um, I did have a savings account at the bank, but a lot of young people, you just kind of put cash, you know, under your mattress or something. (laughs) Like I really wasn't making much money. Um, you know, my mom kind of was helping me out. Um, so it didn't really make sense, but once you turn 18 and I would definitely recommend also just going to a local bank and they're usually very accommodating and they'll sit down with you and, you know, explain all the different options that they have. And, um, I'd say opening up just your first bank account, and especially now with COVID, a lot of people don't want to handle cash anymore. So oh, yeah. I think that getting a debit card is really, um, a gr- or even, you know, credit card, getting these, um, plastic cards is really smart just because we can wipe them down ourselves and um, stay a little more cleanly. I often do think about that with cash. We don't really quite know where the cash has been. So um, as you get older, I think that having a, a card of, of any sort is, is really helpful, but definitely debit card to begin with. Oh, okay. That's that's really informative for me to know. And yeah. So- oh, and then um, I also just want to clarify with it too, because I don't think I mentioned it before, but with a debit card, um, a big difference is that you have to have all the money in the bank. So um, I guess I'll just give a little example. Let's just say you are going to the grocery store and you spend $50 on your debit card then that $50 has to, you have to already have that in your bank account. But then if you want to spend $100, then you could just use your credit card because um, it doesn't require that you have the money in the account. So with your debit card, the money is withdrawn immediately. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I know it gets really, it's kind of, um, now yeah, that I'm actually so like articulating it. Yeah, now that I'm articulating it, I'm like, oh, this actually is like, I totally, I'm really glad that we're doing this episode because yeah, I think that's so many, yeah, so many young people, it's like, we just don't really learn this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And so also, how does someone apply for a credit card? Yeah, and the application process is really quite simple. Um, I remember when I first turned 18, um, again, as I said, that was kind of when I began my financial journey. Um, I started getting random letters sent to my house that had tried to convince me to open a credit card with those companies. And also when I would go shopping, um, sometimes the cashier would ask if I wanted to open a credit card with the store. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Oh, yeah, like a, definitely. A lot of retail shops. And I'm like, mm, no, no thanks. But yeah, I never went forward with either of those options. Um, and I would really just caution people when considering those avenues um, because people start opening up so many credit cards. And then before you know it, you have like five and it's just not 
for me personally, I think just one credit card is enough. And I had a bank account, as I mentioned, with Bank of America. And the banker was just mentioning one day how they had like a student slash first time credit card option. So I decided to apply. And as I mentioned, I was approved for a $600 limit. Um, so that's as much as I could spend on it. And overall, really applying for a credit card is quite simple. You just need basic information like your name, address. I think you know, you'll fill out an application with them and perhaps bring photo ID or passport. Um, but if you're young, you, you usually don't need that much documentation outside of just identification. So it's a pretty simple process. Yeah. And so you were talking about um, credit cards at different retail stores. And that's something that I was always confused about. Like, why would somebody want to have a credit card with that store? Yeah, I I always thought that that was quite interesting, too. And I've worked um, a lot of different retail in the past. Um, and I do remember working at like Bath and Body Works or Gap or places like that. Like I remember Bath and Body Works had a credit card. And so, yeah, I think I guess perhaps the big draw is that if you shop at that store a lot, then, you know, you can get like bonus points and, and things like that. But overall, I think it's, um, it, it's just better for me. I think it's better to go through a bank, um, rather than getting caught up. Oh, and a lot of people too will get like airline, um, credit cards too, but I think just going to a bank and, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you so much. That was very helpful. Caitlin, check out youtube.com's forward slash be the star you are for our fun and informative videos on living laughing and learning visit us at www.btsya.org and check out our past editions of our shows at expressyourselfteenradio.com i'm andrea smith and i'm caitlin darrow keep on listening to our conversation about financial literacy here on express yourself after the break follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. 
thanks for staying with us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm Andrea Smith, and we are here today with Whitman Ochai, a senior at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology and a financial literacy podcaster. He has a passion for teaching financial literacy and a love of economics and history. With this passion, Whitman created Money Ed, a podcast series for young people aimed at promoting financial literacy. His podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Whitman is also the editor-in-chief for his school's podcast network and president of his school's financial literacy club. I'm Caitlin Darrow. Whitman explains that strong financial literacy can drastically improve one's success in life, and it is important to gain these financial skills at a young age. As a teen, one's financial priorities should be establishing a Roth IRA, getting a job, and saving as much money as possible so that they can best take advantage of the power of compounding interest. Whitman explains that particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic, it is important to be able to differentiate between necessary and unnecessary spending, budget money to spend only on what is necessary, and avoid racking up debt in order to pay for necessities. In addition to his podcast, which I'm sure keeps him busy enough, Whitman enjoys tutoring underrepresented middle school students via the program LIFT. He can also be found singing Italian opera and hiking. Whitman plans to pursue economics and computer science in college. We are super excited to have him here on the show today. Welcome to Express Yourself, Whitman. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. It's just so great to be here. Um, Aw, that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show today. I'm super excited to talk about financial literacy and the podcast. Awesome. And can you actually just um, remind us how to pronounce your full name? Just because I I think we may have gotten it wrong here in the beginning. It's Whitman Ochi. Okay, awesome. We will definitely take note of that. (laughs) No worries. Um, So just to begin here, um, I guess I just wanted to ask, um, what is financial literacy to begin with? And how is it so important? Well, financial literacy is just your ability to manage and understand your own finances and money. And it's just important because without it, you can't really do much. Things like prioritizing purchases, budgeting your the, the money that you get, kind of keeping track of the various expenses and identifying things you can cut back on. All of that is financial literacy. And, you know, without it, it's difficult to really – Financial literacy improves your chances of success in today's world. Yeah, so that's really interesting. I feel like a lot of people, especially young people, don't really know much about money. So that's really cool that you have a podcast and you invested a lot of time into this. So what made you decide to start your podcast series? Well, uh, a couple years back, there was a big government shutdown. And one of the things that really struck me about that period was all the stories I heard about people who weren't able to buy food, they weren't able to pay their rent, 
weren't able to afford medical expenses. And I thought, what can I do to help? So I did some research and I found out some, quite frankly, scary stories about financial literacy. Um, and just kind of statistics that frightened me a little bit. Did you know that a majority of Americans wouldn't be able to come up with $400 without taking out a loan or selling something? That's I quite frank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when I, I remember when I read that, I was quite shaken. Yeah. That's so I started. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so I started thinking, how can I help? What can I do to improve financial literacy? So I did research into different types of media, and I found out that podcasts are one of the most up-and-coming forms of media today. So I thought, why not create a financial literacy podcast and aim it at young people so that that way, by the time they grow up and hit adulthood, they'll have all the financial literacy skills they need to succeed. Wow, that's incredible. And I love that it stemmed from your desire to want to help others. Um, it's really crazy, too, hearing that fact of $400. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot initially, but for a lot of families in America, I think that they do live very paycheck to paycheck. Um, and it, it now, even with COVID, I know so many people struggling. So I think that it's really great that you've started this to instill it in young people because uh, I'm sure at any point, you know, you can turn around your financial journey, but it's a lot easier when you're younger just to start it um, right away rather than if you're 30 years old and in, you know, $50,000 debt. Um, so I think that that's a really, really fantastic of you, um, Whitman. And I guess talking about money mistakes, um, I wanted to know what is the most common money mistake that teens make and how can us teenagers just avoid them and, and try to lay that foundation at a young age? Well, some of the most common money mistakes that teenagers will make are not prioritizing your purchases and impulse buying. Impulse buying is when you just kind of see something and you're like, wow, I'm just going to buy that. And you don't necessarily consider, do I actually need to buy that or not? So, for example, if you just see like a really cool new pair of shoes and then you're like, wow, I'm just going to buy them because they look really nice. But you don't do your research into maybe where else you could buy them or if you actually need them. And you might not have enough money for other purchases in the future. Prioritizing your purchases is when you when you allocate your money to different expenses in order of importance. For example, let's say you have $500 and you need to buy $20 worth of groceries, uh, get $130 car maintenance, and there's also these $400 shoes that you want to buy. If you don't prioritize your purchases, you might buy the $400 shoes first, and then you'll have $100 left for $150 of necessary expenses. By prioritizing, you put the money into the $150 of necessary expenses first, and then you can save up for the shoes later. Yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely a victim of impulse buying. And so you were talking about priorities. So what should be a young person's top financial priorities? Well, everyone's different. And everyone has their own specific financial situation. However, 
if you have the time and you and to get a job and you can put some of that money away, I 100% recommend that you put that money into a Roth IRA. The great thing about a Roth is that all the interest you accrue in that Roth, you can take it out tax-free. So by the time you retire, you'll have decades on decades of tax-free interest that you'll be able to take advantage of. And another great part is that oftentimes for part-time jobs, the amount you earn is below the federal tax limit, which means that you're not getting taxed when you put it into the Roth IRA in the first place. So you literally get free money. Why wouldn't you do it? For everyone, however, it's really good to start budgeting and to learn how to budget your money really early. So I recommend making an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Sheets spreadsheet that contains all of your expenses and all the money you receive so that you can identify repeat expenses and know exactly how much money you have at all times. That's a really great um, tip and idea. And I just love to hearing you explain about the Roth IRA because I do remember looking into it not that long ago and I just became a, a bit overwhelmed. And I think that also the language was just a bit difficult to understand. So I really appreciate how you explain things. You just make it really easy to um, conceptualize. So thank you so much for that. I'm glad to um, hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you, um, what can you do to promote financial literacy in your community? Because earlier in the show, I spoke a little bit about my um, qualms with credit cards and uh, debt and just learning about financial literacy at a young age. I, I really didn't know too much about all those things. I never got to take a class or a course in school. Um, so how can we promote financial literacy within our communities? Well, one of the biggest things you can do uh, if you're a parent, for example, is to just start teaching your kids early. So you want to, so for example, you could show your kids like what you're doing when you're using a credit card or writing a check. And you can also teach them through example what, for things like budgeting. Teach them to budget their money. Show them how you budget your money. Kids pick up stuff from their parents and Honestly, that's what and parental influence is one of the most powerful ways that kids can learn healthy financial habits. Yes. Oh, okay. So I definitely will talk to my parents about um, financial literacy and credit cards because that's coming up kind of soon. And um, like I'm going to college next year. So I definitely will need to learn more about that. And so all, I've been hearing a lot of talk like with friends and just people around about like investments, especially during this pandemic. And so I was curious on your opinion about investing in stocks. Well, the stock market is always volatile and pandemic stocks are no exception. I don't think that the pandemic the pandemic has affected different companies differently. In fact, there are many companies like say DocuSign, which is a company specializing in allow in allowing people to authenticate official documents remotely, 
that have done quite well during the pandemic because as more and more people are driven to their services for because you know you can't see each other in person anymore um of course that doesn't mean that every company is doing well and i think that it's best to consult with uh online sources or really be very careful before you invest in anything during this current climate of course i'm not an expert but i think that that is really great advice and such a good point too about how different companies are affected differently in these times for example if you had stock in maybe skype or zoom i'm sure um, you're reaping the benefits but many many businesses i think are suffering right now um, I actually wanted to ask you if you have any advice regarding using credit cards for purchasing and how can consumers avoid racking up too much debt? Um, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I shared a little bit about my financial journey, which involved a credit card, and I just didn't really understand how that money was not mine. <laughs> so I guess I just would like to know what's your advice for that and how can young people who are maybe using credit cards for the very first time, how can they go about that the, the right way? The best thing that you can do is, number one, to review your credit card uh, bill at the end of every billing period. That way you can get a much firmer grasp on how much money you're spending with your credit card and if there is maybe some stuff that you can cut back on. Additionally, you have to remember that the credit card is really easy, really simple, and it almost feels like you have free money. It's, it does, you're not giving them anything. It's so simple, it's just a swipe and it's done. But you have to remember that the credit card is still your money. You're just delaying the payment. So keep in mind that credit cards are delayed payment, not no payment, and carefully review your credit card summary at the end of every billing period. That way you can, and also pay your credit card bill on time. Always pay your credit card bill on time. That way you avoid late fees and build up a strong credit history, which can in turn make companies a lot more receptive if you ever have to miss a payment due to like a post office problem or just a random issue. If you have a strong credit history that shows that you constantly pay off your bills on time, they'll be much more likely to forgive you for a one-time infraction. Yes, that's really good advice. And talking about credit, I was also curious, do you have a preference over credit and debit cards? Like, do you feel that one is a better option than the other or if you should use both? And like, that's a great question. And one that I've actually uh, heard a couple of times as well. And I what I always say is that I prefer credit because with a debit card, number one, debit cards are a bit less secure than credit cards because with a credit card, you can review your bill at the end of every billing period and identify any suspicious charges that might have gone in. So if there's a purchase made from your credit card that you didn't make, you can see that and dispute the charge before it's charged to your account and you can prevent anyone from doing anything shady with your credit card. With a debit card, since it's automatic, it's a bit less easy 
to detect and dispute those charges. Additionally, the fact that you have that billing history at the end of every billing month makes it a lot easier to keep track of your credit card expenditures than it does with your debit card expenditures because a debit card expenditure is automatically deducted. So you're not going to as easily anyway, see exactly how much you're spending with your debit card versus your credit card. So credit card. Mm. That is a that is a good point. I do remember a couple of years ago I was a victim of fraud and it was a lot easier to it was on a credit card too. And it was pretty easy to dispute the charges, especially because if it had been charged on my debit card, it would have automatically been taken out of my checking account. Whereas, like you said, the charges kind of you have a bit of time, like through the end of the month to kind of look at that and, and to keep an eye. But I think especially as you start to save money and get more into your financial journey, it's really smart to just look at your bank account every day. <laughs> I try yes. to log in every day and just like see what's going on because I know a lot of people have been victims of fraud and it's really quite scary to see those charges and then think like, oh, I, I didn't I didn't spend that. I didn't go there. So um, it's a little... It's a little scary. Um, do you have any tips in regards to that? Um, perhaps someone who's experienced fraud or, or just how to, um, I know it's really hard to even protect yourself against it just because it can really happen to anybody. Well, what you mentioned earlier, checking your bank account frequently and identifying a suspicious purchase like you did, that's 100% the correct way of going about it. You're right. It's difficult to prevent fraud, particularly since there's so much information just going around these days. Sometimes you can't help it if someone gets a hold of some of your information, but what you can do is be diligent and prevent them from using it for anything bad. So if you so it's good to check your bank account regularly and check your credit card history regularly to make sure that no one's making any purchases that you didn't make. And if you do see something like that, make sure to immediately dispute it or bring it up with your bank or credit card company. That's honestly the best advice I can give you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so do you also, for credit cards, do you think there's a certain amount of credit cards you should have? Or is there a number that's too many or too little? I would personally say have one, maybe two credit cards. I don't think that, honestly, have it, just make sure not to have too many credit cards. There's some people who just have a ton of credit cards for the sake of having credit cards or for the sake of certain benefits that come with the card. But honestly, just keep it minimal. Remember that credit cards oftentimes come with fees or other charges for their use. So if you have credit cards that you're not using, stop having them because, you know, there's no point in having them. Other than that, there's not really much I have to say on that topic. Yeah, I totally um, agree. And actually, what I think is interesting is uh, my older sister, she had kind of gotten herself into a bit of a credit card frenzy. And she started taking out a lot of credit cards. And I think I'm not quite sure how many she had at the time, but she had several and some she really wasn't using. And 
she was just paying so much interest on them. And what really um, interested me was that when she actually went to go close the credit cards and to close the accounts, her credit score decreased. So sometimes when, and I also just paid off um, a student loan recently, I have a couple of different loans out. And when I paid it off, my credit score went down, not up, which surprised me because I thought it was going to go up. I thought, you know, I paid it off. It's so good. But um, yeah, I think, uh, that, so if, if you end up getting a lot of credit cards out and then as you close them, it, it can actually, um, decrease your score. So that's another thing that I did not know. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of a, it's just so strange how all these different systems work. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, credit scores are one of those things that you think they'd be more straightforward, but they really aren't, which yeah. is why, it's, but honestly, I, there's a lot of different aspects of the credit score that are kind of weird which is why i personally like to keep it simple mm. get it's best to get your credit card up by paying off your credit cards and having a credit card history so just by regularly paying off your loans paying off your credit card debt that that'll generally keep your credit card higher mm. certain that actions, really you, good advice yeah you, you it's like it's kind of weird how some things raise or lower your credit score, but generally just pay it off. It'll get it off your mind and it'll raise your credit score in the long run. Yeah, yeah. you are completely right. Um, and then our last question, because we are coming to a close here. Um, I just wanted to know, what would you say is the most important principle when it comes to money management? Um, and just a few uh, closing notes from you. Well, the most important principle in money management, it's the idea of delayed gratification. Oftentimes, the difference between making a less good financial decision and a great financial decision is trading off a more ephemeral short-term benefit for a more long-term benefit. For example, if you save instead of spend, on, if, for example, you're choosing between spending $500 on shoes versus saving $500 for your college fund, you can either have the more ephemeral short-term benefit of the new shoes, or you can have the more long-term benefit of having more money to pay off your college loans. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that is really, really fantastic advice and definitely something that I think I'll be applying to in my own life. Um, thank you again so much for sharing all of your insight, Whitman. I'm Caitlin Darrow. And I'm Andrea Smith. Learn more about Whitman and his podcast, Money Ed Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Show your love for more segments by donating to the BTSYA 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more on financial literacy. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. 
That's expressyourselfteenradio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. This week's show is all about financial literacy. And for our last segment today, Andrea and I will be reading a chapter on the gift of financial literacy by Heather Brittany from the book Be the Star You Are for Teens by Cynthia Bryan. Heather was a teen co-founder of Be the Star You Are charity and continues to serve on the board as a volunteer so this is a special treat to read her chapter here today let's get started the gift of financial literacy by heather Brittany. kids don't need allowances at eight years old you're not paying a mortgage or filling the car up with gas so your biggest decision is choosing between frosted flakes or cocoa pebbles Children may not need allowances, but they do need a financial education. Growing up, we had chores. Lots and lots of chores. Anything from vacuuming the house, cleaning toilets, to feeding the chickens, mucking the barn, pulling weeds, and mowing the lawns. My mom treated these daily tasks as our childhood occupation. An allowance was not part of our vocabulary. We were a component of a family, and each member shared in the duties of enjoying a home. Mom was teaching us lessons in the value of work and self-sufficiency. Now, as I stated before, kids do not need money at this age, but chores are a great simulation for living in the real world. Our parents supplied all of the necessities for school and daily living, but for the extras, we had to work. Instead of paying us for our chores, mom created a point system. We made a list of all the things we really wanted, then attached the number of points needed to attain each item. We listed prizes great and small. Movie, backpack, rollerblades, bike, train set, skis, trip to Disneyland. When we saved enough points, we were able to cash in our booty for an item with that number of points. On a bulletin board in the pantry, our points were tallied each week. Mom was teaching us that if we worked diligently without complaint, we would earn our own money. And if we saved it, eventually, we would be able to afford something grand. I saved my hard-earned points for five years, and then one day I cashed in my investment for a giant professional trampoline. 
to a child, a full-scale trampoline is comparable to an adult buying a first car or house. It felt amazing. Though it, t- it took five years to save enough points, it was definitely worth the wait. It had taught me invaluable money-saving skills and, more importantly, the value of having a work ethic. I took this knowledge into my teen years, and as soon as I was allowed a work permit, I got a job. I opened a savings account at the local bank where I deposited my bi-weekly paychecks. It felt really good not having to ask my parents for money when I wanted something. It also felt really good that I had ownership of certain items because I earned the money to make the purchases myself. By the time I went to university, I had saved enough money to fund my college education almost independently. I applied for part-time jobs and continued to work to supplement my simple lifestyle. Research suggests that students who work at least 15 hours per week actually do better in school than peers who don't have a job. And even though it is tough at times to juggle both work and school, and the government seems to take a big chunk of my salary, I have always felt a sensation of significance, knowing that I am capable of being self-supporting. I budget and prioritize purchases. Making my own living teaches me responsibility and offers a sense of pride. Taking advantage of coupons and discounts stretches my meager wages. So many young people I know feel entitled to money and possessions and expect their parents to foot the bill. It may have begun with receiving an allowance for not having to do anything. To me, that is not a good mold for success. It would be great to think that money and all the challenges it brings is not that important. But most decisions we make are in fact centered on our finances. Not a day goes by when we are not called upon to understand basic math that should have been learned in high school. Are you learning the arithmetic you need to survive in the world? No one in high school ever explained in my classes how credit cards worked or how a person made good credit or created bad credit. It's time to go back to basics, to educate ourselves to become financially literate. Money matters. My mom started working and saving when she was a child, and she instilled the same kind of ethics in me. Although I still have much to learn, I'm on my way to becoming financially independent because of the skills I garnered as a child working on a point system. Over the years, my brother and I earned everything on our list. Today, we are grateful that the money we have accrued has arrived the old-fashioned way. We earned it. Now, let's move on to the exercise. Talk with your parents about opening a savings account for you. Don't ask for or expect an allowance. Instead, offer to earn your dollars with specific chores. Take up babysitting, gardening, dog walking, sign making, or small jobs around the house. 
in your neighborhood. Deposit a minimum of 75% of what you earn in your savings account. Clip coupons and write a budget. Start your financial education today. Learn as much as possible about investing in your future. It's never too early or too late to start saving. You'll have the satisfaction of independence and develop a work ethic that will take you far in life. And to close out this chapter, we have a Benjamin Franklin quote. A penny saved is a penny earned. And a quote from Heather Brittany herself, save today, spend tomorrow. I personally love that chapter. I actually had a point system in my household when I was little. I remember my mom would give me points for doing little chores around the house, and then I could later redeem that for um, money. And so that was really cool to see that. Oh, she had- <laughs> yeah, I had something pretty similar for part of my childhood. And then we had very similar mentality that you know, you are part of the house and you work to contribute. I really like that mindset a lot. And I grew up with a single mom as well. And I think very early on, even by six or seven, I had a consciousness around that. And I saw my mom going to work and doing the laundry and cooking us dinner and cleaning the house. And I just think me and my sisters, we picked up on that and we recognized that and we tried to help out as much as we could. And we didn't really expect um, money from my mom just because, I mean, even though we were quite young, I think I I could recognize like my mom is buying me food. She's housing me. She's, she buys me toys. She, you know, does so much. And then to already to ask for, you know, additional money just seems um, a bit silly. So it is interesting though, how for a lot of people, an allowance is just, part of their childhood and um, they don't really even necessarily work for it. Yeah, I really love how what like what you were saying about your household and your sisters working together around the house. It was kind of the same mentality at my house too. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. Thank you so much um, for the segment. I'm Andrea, and thanks for listening to Super Smart Sundays here on Express Yourself. Please support Be The Star You Are and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs at bethestarur.org. I'm Caitlin Darrow. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially to our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then.
Remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.